Hey everyone, welcome to the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Hey, a quick thing before we get into today's episode. This episode will be the last episode that we're recording uh, for 2017. We're going to be taking a few weeks off to spend time with family and with the church and with friends. And uh, we'll be back recording episodes starting the third week in January. So have that on your calendars. Keep your updates open in your podcast app. We'll have some brand new content for you um, in the new year after a few weeks. And uh, we hope that you have a great Christmas, a great new year, a great time of celebrating uh, Jesus together. And so today, um, for this episode, we're going to be talking about God's surpassing power, talking about how God moves and acts, and how we can, as God's followers, um, tap into this power, how we can access it through the blood of Jesus and um, celebrate God's power in our lives. So we pray that this conversation is helpful to you. And uh, like I said, we pray that you have a great holiday season. We'll see you guys soon. But for now, let's get into this conversation. All right, Nate, how you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, really good. It's the holiday season right now. You guys going shopping for a tree yeah, or yeah, what's yeah. going on? No, for you man, guys? we uh, we already got the Christmas tree. Yeah, already. Yeah, we're a Thanksgiving weekend kind of family. You I know, like, like that. Thanksgiving's over. The fall decorations depart, and the Christmas decor fills the Holdridge house. So yeah, I already got my my uh, my house lit up. All right. Yep. Wow. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a downstairs <laughs> level and an upstairs level kind of guy. Oh man! Yeah, so this this year actually had Violet crawling around on her belly on the roof <laughs> to get that peak spot to hang the lights all the way up to the oh, peak. Oh man! I bet she loved it. So it's actually pretty easy. We just have all these hooks that I put in there years ago. So we just hook 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 and it's done. And then yeah, got the tree. How about you? It's so tight, man. I think we're gonna go this weekend and get a tree. We're gonna go cut it down. Nice. I think we're gonna cut it down. Nice. If we can find the right one, you know, it's always hard when you go for a natural tree just to find the right one yeah. for your home. But that's so vintage and cutesy and like I know. you know, just early years of marriage. No I'm about kids. to say I'm at the level now where it's just like, yo, let's go to Home Depot <laughs> and get that tree as quick as we can. We don't have a minute to oh, spare. Man. I love the pre hooks and yeah, just get one that's already looking great from Home Depot. That's so tight. <laughs> oh man. Love the holiday season. Hope you guys are having a great holiday. Um, those of you who are listening, um, welcome to the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Today we're talking about God's surpassing power. And Nate, I have to tell you, this article, it was just so encouraging to me. I thought we could talk about it um, here because I think all of us just sometimes need just a, a nice reminder of God's power and um, to be able to look at who God is, to look at who we are in light of who he is. Um, it's just sometimes so helpful. So mm-hmm. um, I thought we could just jump right in. You talked about from the beginning of this article, um, you referenced this verse from 2 Corinthians, and uh, you're talking about God's power and also mentions um, us being like jars of clay. Um, just before we get into talking about what that means for us and who God is, can you maybe just remind us what Paul is talking to the Corinthians about in this verse and kind of in that portion of the letter. Yeah. So that's a section where he's talking about the glory of the gospel, which is internal. So in chapter three, he talks about uh, how there's an old covenant, you know, which was written on tablets of stone that Moses came down from the Mount 
uh, of Mount Sinai with and that it was external. He actually calls it a ministry of death, you know, because mm. people would read it and they'd say, yeah, let's do it. But then uh, they couldn't keep it. So that's why he called it a ministry right. of death. It wasn't that the problem was with the commandments. The problem was with the human hearts that could not keep the commandments. And so then he explains that there's a ministry of the new covenant, a ministry of life, which is opposite that old covenant uh, thing, which caused death, because this one is actually internal. Right. The veil is removed. Christ begins to write and shine upon our own hearts. And so when Paul starts talking about that, he's thinking of all these like really internal kind of things rather than an external shaping, but an internal thing that's happening inside of a human being that leads to external stuff taking mm. place uh, in our lives. And then he, as he keeps talking about it, he then starts saying, and he kind of alludes to the creation when right. God spoke light into creation and it was God speaking into the darkness, this light that would shine. And, he, and he's saying it's the same God who has put the light of the gospel into our hearts. And then as he's continuing to write about it, he thinks because we're like earthen vessels, right. we're like these clay pots that God has put this glorious illuminative, beautiful power inside of. Mm. So he's writing now on the tablets of not stone, but of our own hearts and flesh. He's changing us from the inside out. And now we are containers for this great mm. and glorious and powerful message. And so it's kind of with that in mind that he's then starts thinking about all the trials that he goes through, right. all the pains yeah. and sufferings of life, all the agony that, you know, is just part of the human experience, but also part of the Christian experience, and then probably really uniquely part of the apostolic mm. experience. I mean, yeah. he just suffered in some pretty significant and unique kind of ways. And so as he's thinking about all of that, he's like, but remember <laughs> the new covenant in us, the light of the gospel in us, the power of God in us is stronger than all that pressure and all that stuff that's coming from the outside of us trying to right. break us, these little clay pots, the, the thing inside is beautiful and strong and powerful. Hmm. So that was a little bit of, I think, what was going on in his mind as he wrote to us about this beautiful power of God. Yeah, it's so good. I love that word picture he uses of the earthly clay pots and God's glory being deposited into them. It's just so cool to think of our bodies, our lives, being filled up with mm -hmm. God's spirit. I just mm -hmm. love the way that looks. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple of things in the article, Nate, you talk about um, how God's power surpasses different things in our lives. And so I thought I could just ask you a couple of questions about um, some of these portions of the article. They're really cool. One of them was that God's power surpasses organizational power. And for those of you listening um, who attend Calvary Monterey, um, Whenever you're listening to this, um, recently, Pastor Nate shared us some vision um, for our church for the next few years. And uh, Nate, I was hoping that maybe I could ask you kind of more of like a personal question about you sharing that vision with our church. Yeah. Um, so you talked about some building projects and expanding the children's ministry and some great things that we're expecting God to do um, in the future at our church. And I just know like through all that, 
that you're super conscious of making moves that are full of faith and trusting God's power. Mm-hmm. So could you kind of talk to us a little bit about how how understanding God's power may have influenced you like in the process of crafting that vision mm. as opposed to like maybe just making like a human kind of vision. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's, it's just the trickiest thing. Yeah. You know, because obviously we all understand that God has given us minds whereby we can assess a situation where we can look at the financial picture where we can see what might be wise or sequentially mm. would be obvious. You know, we can kind of think about, you know, what would seem to be the next right move. Totally. And in a sense, I don't, I, I in, in a sense, I think that that's, as I shared that vision with the church mm-hmm. and as we, as leaders had prayed about it and crafted it and all of that, I think that's exactly what we had in our minds and hearts. This right. seems to be the right, next, logical, uh, very temperate, hmm. measured, next move that we're supposed to make. Right. Um, but on the other hand, like you said, you know, you just definitely don't want to, especially in church leadership, but as a believer, you do not want to make decisions that have no faith. Right, and that are right. just simply playing it safe and not taking any risks and almost living as if God is not real, that God does not mm. exist. Yeah. So it's a challenge because you know that he's given you a mind whereby to think about things. Mm. But part of what that mind is supposed to do is to think about him and <laughs> yeah. how he exists and how he can do Absolutely. things and how he is able. So when I talk about that, like God's power is, it surpasses organizational plan uh, power or planning power right um, you know what I'm thinking is look yeah there's there's the way that we organize there's the way that we plan but the power is not in that totally. the power is in the Lord and to receive fruit from merely your organization is actually not fruit at all it's another mm. form of works right. but what you're looking for is for God to explode upon you in the midst of that organizational structure mm. and to do something beautiful it's it's kind of like what what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a simple platform for the holy spirit to break out upon totally, you know, but yeah. if, if the platform isn't mm. there, if the mind isn't used, you know, in the process, then it's like, what's the Holy spirit going to break out upon, you know, yeah. just a bunch of emotion, you know, just, just something that's going to last for, for hardly any time of, at all. I mean, we, we would obviously look at something like church work and we would say, well, one of the things that the Holy spirit will break out upon is upon gospel centered Bible teaching. Mm. Yeah. You right. know, we believe that. And so if a church is void of that and does not have that, then we would have it less of an expectation mm. that the Holy spirit, that God's power his surpassing power is going to break out totally upon that church. Right. Uh, so, you know, that would leave us to say, okay, well, we, we wouldn't then conclude, how can we try to get the Spirit and God's power to break out upon us without gospel-centered teaching? Right. No, we would say, how can we train up teachers? How can we learn to do this hmm. better? How can we craft the times that we do gather together to have 
that gospel preaching, Bible teaching, uh, how can we have that present? Because that's what the Lord will bless and yeah. they will come upon. Uh, it's interesting you hmm. asked me this and that you wanted to talk about this today because this morning I read this little verse in Isaiah 50 that just really blessed me hmm. where God is asking some questions of Israel and he, he says, let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And then he says, and behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. It's a very mm. stern yeah. warning. God looks at two groups of people. One group that he says, you have been walking in darkness you don't have any light or illumination or idea or concept of what to do you need to trust in me hmm. i'll be yeah. your light but then he looks at another group who says we know exactly what to do we have the plan we have right. the light right and he says to them that light is actually going to lead you to torment fine you have your light wow you're not going to trust me you're going to trust your own plans your own ingenuity go ahead do that and so we want to be a people who say, we need light. Yep. We got to get it from the Lord. And when he gives that to us, that's what he's going to bless. So that felt super rambly, but there it is. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That is super helpful. Um, just thinking about, I, I like the way you said that, building a platform for God's spirit to break out upon. I think it's just a beautiful way of phrasing it. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways that people have thought about uh, like revival and the power yeah. of God and oh, stuff yeah. like that. You know, one mm -hmm. of them is that like there's a, there's like a checklist of conditions that if we, if we check off everything on the checklist, then mm. he's bound to, you know, do this thing. And I don't know that that's necessarily what we would say. We would say no. There are things in His Word that we know we're supposed to do, and then we mm. just are trusting that you know He's the one who has to convict. The world of sin and righteousness yeah. and judgment john 16 and so if we do these things we're waiting for him to then do that wow you know, work of really bringing someone into the family of god that's a good word i mean for anyone thinking about just being obedient to god too like that obedience to fulfill his law and his commands and to just walk in his ways like that mm -hmm. is a building a platform in your life for god to unleash his power in your life i love that kind of shifting gears a little bit you know, I think a lot of us Christians, we think about God's power and we think about how God can supply his power to us for like what we want to do or something like that. But in the article, you talk about how God's power surpasses all human powers. And you wrote, our world and churches and families need the surpassing power of God. They need us to drag ourselves before our God daily to be filled afresh with his might and strength and grace. So, you know, I feel like we often rely on God's power for our personal needs, but it seems like what you're saying is that the people around us need us to be filled with God's spirit and mm -hmm. his power. So can you just speak to that a little bit? Like, why is that important? Mm. Well, it's important because if we really capture the vision of what we are as Christians, then one of the conclusions we'll come to is that we are individually members of the corporate altogether overall body of Christ, the body yeah. of Jesus. 
So, you know, we've been dealing with that as a church as we've been going through the book of Ephesians together on Sunday yeah. mornings over mm-hmm. the last few months. And what we've been coming face to face with is this constant concept and idea that a Christianity that preaches exclusively or even, uh, I would say, primarily in mm. its applications, that the gospel message is a personal message only and right, changes right. you personally right. only. That's not right. Right. What we looked at, what we're looking at over and over again in Ephesians is we're seeing, yeah, it starts uh, as a personal thing Mm -hmm. in that I received the message personally. I didn't stand with a hundred other people and make an agreement like, Hey, you guys all believe this. I'm okay. I'm going to believe this too. Let's all believe at the same time. Let's go one, two, three. We believe, you know, so it was individual, but what we're learning through the book of Ephesians is that that individual belief thrusts us into this thing called the body where we're interdependent on each other and we all have our part to play. And what, what we're seeing is that the head of the body is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what that means is he, in his exalted throne in heaven, is looking at the world. And, I mean, maybe you could think, it like, think of it like this. When Jesus was standing there literally and physically mm-hmm. looking out at the 5,000 people who hadn't eaten for a few days, right. he had emotions, he had feelings, yeah. he had thoughts about these 5,000 people. He had stuff that he wanted them to know, stuff that he wanted to do for them, and and all of that. When he looked over Jerusalem and he weep, uh, wept for them, he wept for them and, you know, cried out to them saying, you know, I have, how often have I wanted to gather you under my wings? You know, like there was a, there was a desire that he had, but in that earthly state, he was in a sense, one man in one place at one time, he was going to do the most important work that could be done. But then after he rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of the father. So that same being still exists today, Amen. just in right. his exalted state. So he's still looking at the cities. He's still looking wow. at the 5,000. He's still looking at human beings, and he's still wanting to talk to them and to feed them and to teach wow. them the truth. He's still wanting to do all of that. It's just that now the structure that he's using is not a human body that he took on, right. but he's using a corporate church body to be his mouthpiece, his hands, his feet, you know, here on earth. So, you know, you're asking, why is this important? Well, it's important because uh, if you neglect your part in the body, then the body of Jesus doesn't work right as well as it should. Right. You know, and people that he wants to reach and minister to don't get reached. They aren't yeah. ministered to. You know, so, so that's why it's really important. You know, I was talking to you before we started this session, you know, because we're getting ready this next Sunday. We're going to be in Ephesians 5, the big marriage passage. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to talk about there is that, you know, because I mean, it, it, at first reading, it sounds like really almost controversial to our modern society and right. culture, you know, yeah. because it's talking about that whole passage beyond it into chapter six. It's got three groups of people. You have husbands and wives, um, parents and children or fathers and children, mm-hmm. and then masters and slaves. Yeah. And in those three groupings, there's three parts 
three people that need to come under, follow, even the word submit is used. Mm -hmm. And those are the women, the children, and the slaves. And then there are three groups that are to be leading and to be leading like really well and really gently. And that's the husbands, the fathers, and the masters. Right. All right. So, I mean, we don't have time to like pick apart all the (laughs) like potential landmines and problems, you know, like, oh, but what about this? And what about that? But one of the things that I want to talk about in, in that text is this reality that sometimes we, we think about the Lord impacting our lives and we think, okay, um, I need to somehow set aside who I am. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality of what Paul is teaching in that passage is that actually it, it's not like he's saying, I don't, I don't even know that there's such a thing as brutal masters right. that suppress their workers. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as fathers who are violent or mm-hmm. angry with their children. Or I didn't even know that there was such a thing as lazy or unloving or uh, bullish mm-hmm. you know, husbands. I didn't even know about any of that. No, he knows all that. Yeah, He knows totally. all that. Um, and so what he's saying is that those figures, those men, they have an opportunity to actually rush toward through the gospel, through what Jesus can do in them. They have an opportunity to rush toward a better version of maleness right. than they've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And that because of the blood of Jesus and them, like you just quoted in the thing that I was writing about, throwing themselves before him and saying, you got to help me do this. You got to help me be the man that I'm supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. the husband, the leader, the boss that I'm supposed to be. You got to help me to be all of those things. It's not something to be ashamed of that role. It's something to say, okay, it's a role that he gave to me, right? but I'm going to do it so poorly in my own flesh. So I need his strength to help me become the gentle, loving, wonderful Mm -hmm. leader that I'm seeing described in the gospels in Jesus and in the epistles in sections like that. Yeah, it's so good. It seems like God's power when it's unleashed inside of even just a, a man's heart and in a woman's heart too, but like specifically like in a man as they're leading, that communities just thrive and are gospel centered and are full of love and compassion. So I mean, I love that God's power can just overrule the kind of futile human effort, which is just so beautiful. Kind of just to close it out, Nate, do you have any final thoughts about God's power inside of our lives? Anything that's on your heart to share? I think, you know, when I was writing this small little uh, devotion, I think that what I was really just uh, trying to hit on was just, you know, the, the emotional feeling and the emotional reality of of just knowing that as we go through life, there's just so many times where you just feel like clay pot-ish. Oh, yeah. Totally. And you just feel kind of weak and limited. You feel like you don't have what it takes. You feel like you don't have the energy or the insight or the wisdom or the vigor, you know, to really Mm. do it. Yeah. Um, You know, you you feel like, man, there's just, there's what needs to be done. And then there's the person that's doing it, me. (laughs) And I just, 
feels so just being real far short yeah. of being able to to do that mm-hmm. you know work i mean i was sitting in my house last night and i got home from you know day of, of work and and at the end of the work day i took my daughter to a ballet class that she's in and it's kind of a nice little protected time for me because i drop her off and then i go run while she's in her class mm-hmm. and then i pick her up we head home and uh took a shower we ate some dinner real quick and then you know i had some chores to do for the family on the computer and you know I was just sitting there and then one of them came and needed me to do something else hey can you help me with this and i was just kind of you know doing all this stuff and i, I just sat there and i just thought oh, there's just so much more that needs to be done <laughs> yeah. you know there's there's, there's just a long yeah. list of things that need to be accomplished and these kids are growing up and they need me so badly and need, need to be there for them and it just feels like an impossible task at times you know the, yeah. the work of the church and all the responsibilities and all that stuff and you know i just have that feeling in times like that of just like i am a clay pot you know i just yeah. feel so small hmm. for this task and I guess the the exhortation that I was really trying to get across with that, this verse and this Devo was just really simple, you know, just a, a really simple idea of, hey, when you're feeling clay pottish, that's actually not a bad thing that you feel that way because mm-hmm. that's reality. Amen. That is what yeah. you are. And so expect the power of God, you know, to work in your life. So maybe that will help you, you know, to, because I know a lot of people that, are motivated to have a prayer life because they feel like it's the thing that they quote unquote should do Hmm. rather than saying, you know, yeah, I know that as a believer, I should have a prayer life, but, um, I need a prayer life because I'm the clay pot that really needs the power of God to help me to get by and to do life. And so I got to, got to run to him, ask for his help, get his perspective, get his strength afresh for today, get him to power up this little clay pot and then do, you know, his thing. So that's how I just love to encourage people, you know, Mm -hmm. when, wherever you're listening to this, whatever part of the year, you know, me and Riley are gearing up for the Christmas season, you know, in in our time that we're listening or uh, recording this, but you might be catching this in the middle of, you know, the summertime, Mm -hmm. stressing over a fresh school year that's about to come or something like that. And just know that, his power is sufficient for you. So run to him, spend time with him, enjoy him, and watch what he's going to do as you trust in him. Thanks again for tuning in to today's conversation. Hopefully this is helpful for you as you're considering who God is and his power, his might. Um, if you're looking for some more content, you can always go to nateholdridge.com. You can go to calvary.com. You can find all of Pastor Nate's teachings, articles, podcasts, everything is there online, and we hope that's super helpful for you. And uh, just kind of closing this season out, God bless you in this time of Advent, this time of looking ahead towards Jesus' coming, looking back to the incarnation, and we just pray that this time is just so sweet for you in your Christian life and with your friends and family. So, We're looking forward to seeing you guys, talking to you in the new year. But until then, God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.